This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is Kristen Riefer. I'm a European academic. I work at the University of Brunel in London. I will be giving a talk to staff at the university here on Second Life. And the questions I'm looking at really are whether or not we can impose some consumer rights in those virtual environments. I'm actually a consumer lawyer. I worked for the past four years on eBay and all the auctioning system. eBay's main issue being that you can't really tell who you're buying from, whether it's a professional or a consumer. Now, in Europe, that has got a huge implication. The rights that you will be entitled to will change. If you buy from a business in Europe, you have a right to withdraw from the contract that is made at a distance, and you also have a right to information, which here is a disclosure. Second Life and other virtual environments use auctions to sell land and some property, and that's how I made the link between my previous research to this new topic. Second Life is a little bit atypical in terms of online games because it doesn't really have a goal. It doesn't really have an end purpose, which things like World of Warcraft or Entropia would have. So in Second Life, people come to participate, and if they want to become business, they just need to buy land and establish themselves uh, on the property. But they can actually sell code, in effect, is all they sell. So you can have your Nike shoes, that will be the code for the shoes to put to your avatar, or you can even buy a fake Gucci, which has been my first purchase in the game. <laughs> because you have this environment where people are not exactly consumers, they're not really gamers, but they actually are businesses, they can actually make Linden dollars, which is the currency of the game, but you can actually then exchange that money for real dollars. So it creates a virtual environment linked to a real economy. So the issue is really to say, should we, like we do in real life, impose obligations on businesses? Should the code they actually sell don't work? the way the consumer expect? What are the kind of redress the consumer could obtain? In Europe, this is a difficult question because we have a lot of really good rights for goods. So if you buy a radio or a computer and it doesn't go right, you have got loads of rights associated with returning this computer, getting it repaired. But if you buy code, software, at the moment we don't have any protection. So that's a difficult issue in Europe to actually look around code and what kind of redress we would offer for that. There's quite a number of academics in the US that actually work on the subject, but not on consumer law as such. They look more intellectual property, which is probably a more immediate problem in Second Life. I actually just started research because I'm a Fulbright Scholar at Cleveland Marshall in Cleveland, and I started on in January, and that was the Fulbright project. So my avatar is called Fulbright Portal. At the moment, I'm going to limit myself to an article because I'm busy with plenty of other things, and the main one being finishing the book on online auction. But yes, ultimately, I see this area of research being my next big project for probably the next three, four years to actually explore the entire regulatory system that should go around those. Especially, I mean, they're set to multiply and keep growing. Students nowadays, they all were born with a screen in front of them, so they are very used to those type of interactions, and they're going to use them more and more. When you do business on Second Life, you deal exclusively with the operator of the game, Linden. It's from them that you buy the land. It's with them that you have a contract. 
track to establish your business. If you're going to be a consumer buying from a business, you have to be as careful as you would be in real life if the deal is too good to be true, probably is. The implications are not that huge, but if you start buying land or if you start creating an avatar and then wanting to sell some of your creations, then obviously there are more implications and things to be careful about. From a player's point of view, that will also be a creator. So A, someone that's able to create their own code to dress the avatars and make them do things. You actually have all intellectual property rights. Linden abandons those to the creators. The issue is if Linden closes your account tomorrow, what do you do? Because although you have got the rights to your avatar and everything you create, you no longer have access to it. There was actually a very interesting case called Bragg. Unfortunately for them, it was a lawyer. He was playing the game, had bought some property. It kind of managed to get some property because of a glitch in the auction system. And Linden, as a consequence, closed the account. He had spent an awful lot of money in the game and he was disputing the fact that Linden could actually close the account at any stage. And the case settled out of court, so we are kind of unable to know what would have happened but the people writing on the issues uh, so far kind of looked at the fact that there might have been some redress for Mr Bragg towards Linden but we still have completely unexplored the issues of contracts that you have in the game. There probably is some redress in the relationship user with the operator of the game. We're not quite sure and that's why I'm exploring mostly of what happens if you actually buy your Nikes from another player and what kind of implications there would be there. I call it a game and I, I know most people think it's not a game. It's a dangerous one as well. You meet all sorts of people, all walks of life and some unseedy ones as well. <laughs> it does what it says on the tin. It's a second life. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.